You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Uh, you know, I think Florida definitely had an admirable game, certainly the first half of the game. Um, thought, I thought Alex Barkov was pretty quiet, uh, but Matthew Kachuk, obviously, he, he they rode him to the playoffs, and... He was their lone goal. So um, I don't know if there were too many surprises on from what Florida showed us last night, and especially considering that that was – and I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but like that we mentioned may have been their best bet to try to put some doubt into Boston. Um, if, the, if the Bruins were to lose game one after that regular season that they had and if, at home and, you know, the inevitable headlines would have been out there and the, the doubt would have crept in and the Bruins, they, they didn't allow that to happen. So – um, I guess my only lingering thought from game one was just the absence of Bergeron. And look, if it was an illness that kept him out and he was, you know, it was coming out of both ends for him or something like that. Brian. Well, what, 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 Brian. I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to be blunt. Like, cause, cause that's, cause that's honestly, that's the only reason I could see him <laughs> not playing was if he literally physically could not play. Um, so, oh, God. so God. no, it's just the visual. I don't well, like, Hey, look, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> your, your mind went there, not mine. I'm just, I'm just telling the facts, but, um, oh, th- to me, to me, that's the only like illness. I feel like he would have not been able to play through was, would, would be some lingering stomach, bu- stomach bug or something like that, but which Pasenak had. Yeah. And so like, if, if he got it from him, I guess my question is, it's a long way of saying like, you know, if, if, if he's resting down the stretch and he's not and he's not playing in the game 82 and he's not necessarily at every practice or every game, maybe he's not exposed to the illness when he got exposed to it, A, but certainly if it's an injury that kept him out, that he suffered in game 82 or game 82 prolonged, how can you not how can you not question the way that they handled him down the stretch? He's out now they won the game, great, but like you, you mean to tell me he plays like most of the season, like literally almost every single game this year, and then he's not ready to go for game one? It's fair to question why it's not ready to go for game one. Is it just bad luck or like could they have handled it better now that we know that he's out for game one and maybe game two? Who knows? There, yeah, and there's I mean, one detail I want to add, which was that the breast said he was around the team like the whole day, which yeah, illness, the- like you wouldn't want someone around. <laughs> I would think you wouldn't want someone around if it was, you know contagious um not really sure what the illness is but 
and there was also the video of uh of him like gathering the team in a in a huddle which so not only was he around but like very close contact with like with his teammates so so then it was um, injury then it's injury so so i guess to or, change the question to you okay yeah what, what, what are you thinking or it was he, he's over all the symptoms of whatever the illness was but you know montgomery mentioned that lauco lost eight pounds when he was dealing with this like maybe bergeron's feeling better symptoms wise but he's lost 10 pounds over the last week and his strength isn't there you know he shows up to the building pre-game goes through a little bit of a workout and realizes like, I, I just don't have it. Like I'm going to be exhausted 15 seconds into a shift. Like that's the only thing I can think of, but um, yeah, I mean, we just don't know. And obviously like, they're not telling us certainly every indication leading up to the game was that like the illness was the bigger concern because that's what Marshan mentioned on Sunday. He said, you know, I think he's just sick. He's fine. Montgomery, when he was asked, Monday morning at morning skate, he was asked, what's Bergeron's availability? He wasn't asked, you know, is he sick? Is he injured? And Montgomery went directly to illness. He said, uh, not only Bergeron, but we have a couple of guys who are under the weather. So everything they were indicating was that the illness was the bigger issue. So I guess if you're to believe them, like the scenario I laid out is the only thing I can think of is, okay, he's finally passed the symptoms but he just lost too much strength and hasn't, you know, had enough time to recover in that respect. Obviously, yeah, it could be the injury. Like they could just be kind of deceiving us and not giving us the whole story. So, um, you know, as far as playing him in that last game, I, I just come back to like, to me, that was planned out weeks in advance. Like I had heard for a while that the plan was to play guys and, Whoever they were going to rest, they were building in their rest in the weeks leading up to that. And Bergeron ultimately got four games of rest over about, you know, a three-week span. Um, so I just think, like, if that was the plan and if Bergeron's saying, you know, I would rather have my rest before the end of the regular season and then play the last game, and the Bruins are looking at, you know, all right, how do we – you know, we've seen these other teams that maybe – run away from the league, get to the play, fail in round one. How do we avoid that? And this was part of their approach and part of what was planned out. Like, I just, I don't have a problem with it. Like, I, I, I think they were trying to find ways to make sure they were better positioned to be ready to play playoff hockey game one than other teams that have been in their position. And yeah, I mean, obviously, any injury in that situation opens the door wide open for second guessing. I get it, but I don't have a problem with them planning that out in advance and trying what they thought was going to be best to be ready for game one. So I'm not going to second guess it because I didn't first guess it. I was okay with the plan from the start. So I'm you know not going to go back now and be like, oh, they totally blew it. Scott never second guesses himself. He's a very confident man. Well, isn't isn't that what a second <laughs> isn't that what a second guess is? Like you you feel one way and then you're second guessing if you were right about feeling that way. Yeah, but he's not. He's not. He's, he feels like he you know he, he knew all along. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but so if, if no, when you say I, like, I just think I just think they had a plan and and 
sorry, I, I just think they had a plan and they stuck to it. And I don't, I'm not going to fault them for doing that. It, it's not like last minute Wednesday night before the Thursday game, they decided who was playing and who wasn't like that. They, they had that planned weeks in advance. Well, I'm, I'm more so talking about just maybe in general down the stretch, not necessarily Montreal, you know, just in general, if maybe they could have rested a little bit more, but uh, Bridget, you were saying something. <laughs> yeah. If it is the stomach, a stomach bug, I really am glad that so far I haven't caught it because <laughs> when I was in Montreal, I talked to Bergeron fairly closely that Pasternak, when he had it out, like we were talking very closely. Um, I'm glad I haven't gotten it. Could I afford to lose 10 pounds before beach season? Yes, but that's not how I plan on uh, dropping that weight. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I wonder about how, like if it's something that was as contagious as it sounds that it passed through the team, why wouldn't you be separating um, guys? If you know, that's the only thing that's, that's crossing my mind um, with that. And um, anyway, we will find out uh, soon enough because Scott, you will be at practice today. So Monday morning, Scotty's heading over to practice and um, see if Bergeron's on the ice, see what's going on, um, and get some reporting from Today's there. Tuesday, by the way. Tuesday. I don't know. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> the game was Monday. So... Anyhow, Tuesday. Uh, Scott will have some reporting coming out after that. But in the meantime, so what I'm writing and posting today is about how Pavel Zaka did in filling in for Bergeron. Um, and I think it's it's worth mentioning that he had modeled his game after Bergeron growing up, um, you know, as a center. And he had referenced both Bergeron and Krejci as players that he wanted to model his game after. And he goes in for Bergeron, and it is kind of like he didn't miss a beat. And because of the style of play, his 200-foot game, his solid defense, like you don't really – like. It was probably the ideal replacement for Bergeron. That's why you don't see Krejci step up there. You don't see Coyle step up there. It's Pavel Zaka, and he fit in. I thought he fit in really well. Um, and, you know, I, I asked him after the game, obviously this was going to be the answer. Like, there's no replacing Patrice Bergeron. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, but in my mind, Zaka did pretty much as well as anyone could have in, in stepping in for him. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, he, look, he led the team in Corsi and expected goals. Like, they they controlled play when when they were on the ice, and they are one of the few lines that did that pretty consistently start to finish in that game. And, you know, he was getting all the toughest matchups. Like, most of his minutes came against the Ekblad and Forsling pairing, uh, came against Barkov, Verhege, Kachuk, like, there was no sheltering there. Now the minutes were down. Like it's so he finished at 1430 and that line in general didn't get the minutes that the uh, Bertuzzi, Krejci, Pasenak line did, which I don't know if that's just because sometimes that happens. Like if you're going to get certain matchups, you know, you end up not getting guys as much ice time. I also wondered if like maybe someone on that line was dealing with a little bit of illness and, you know, couldn't handle bigger minutes. Like, at, so the minutes were a little down, but when Zaka was out there, yeah, he was terrific. Like five on five. I mentioned the power play, the way he pops out from the, from the bumper. He, he just, 
he's looked so good at center down the stretch when he's, whether it's been in place of Bergeron or in place of Krejci, it's like, you know, we've talked about, he, Hey, he definitely looks like he can be, you know, second line center going forward. I see, I see him with talented wingers and I'm like, wait, can he be the top line center? Like, well, yeah. And Montgomery said so too. Montgomery said he's a top, he's a top two center for us in the future. Yeah. It's like he, he seems to fit anywhere. You, you know, he, when he was with Bertuzzi and Pasternak, that line looked good. Last night he's with Marsha and Dubrovsky looks good there. And it's like, it, you know, I, I called him at times, especially early in the year, like Swiss army knife. And the, like, that's what he is. He just fits wherever you put him, And he seems to make anyone he plays with better. He just makes a lot of good plays. I think he makes life easier for people too because of his defensive style. And also when you think about losing Bergeron, you're you're talking about not just losing him five on five, but he is a penalty killer. Um, he does spend time on the power play. And Zaka can do both of those things as well. Zaka is one of the better penalty killers on the team. Um, he has been most of the season. So um, you know, Zaka and in the future, if we're talking about seasons beyond this year where Bergeron's not in the picture anymore. It's it seems like they found a another Bergeron in a sense in the in the style that he plays and the roles that he can play. Yeah, I mean he he's uh he we talked about last summer. Um even before that, it was like you know, what's this team gonna do when Bergeron retires? They don't have any um high-end center prospects at the time. This is before last year's draft uh, to speak of. Uh, there wasn't really anybody on the NHL roster outside of Bergeron. Um, and, you know, Don Sweeney goes out there and he signs 26-year-old or 25-year-old, I think, Pavel Zaka, who was a form number six overall pick with tons of potential. And now you're starting to see him reach that potential or at least start to scratch the surface. And he's absolutely going to be their number one or number two center um, as soon as next year. And Ty Anderson um, tweeted out last night before the game, um, which correlates to this conversation. He said that going into last night, um, the Bruins without Patrice Bergeron this year were 4-0-0, 15 goals for, 4 for 8 on the power play, so 50%, and 17 for 17 on the penalty kill, 100%. Obviously, that's a super, super small sample, and I am in no way saying the Bruins are better off without Bergeron and with him. What I am saying is... Um, it's not all necessarily doom and gloom like we may have thought before they had signed Zaka. Now it's just kind of, okay, now now when Bergeron goes, you just got to find one other guy. Because let's assume Zaka replaces Krejci next year. You just got to find that next guy. And um, Zaka has really helped accelerate that transition to the post-Bergeron-Krejci era because now we know that he will be one of the two going forward. Who needs Bo Horvat? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we yeah. talked about that at the deadline. Like, well, who needs Bo Horvat? He of course, had a great time since he got traded. So, and of course, now that now that now the Bruins are five and zero after last night without Bergeron, and I'm not gonna do the quick math on what the updated special teams would be because I don't have it in front of me. But so again, just 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 a little exercise, very small sample, but good to know. Yeah, and by the way, like just looking ahead. Georgie Merkulov had a terrific season in the AHL, especially in the second half. And Matthew Plot, their second-round pick from this past draft, had a great year in the OHL. Um, I believe he led the OHL in assists or was very close to it. 
So not saying like either one of those guys is ready next year or anything to play a top six role, but you at least see some upside now at the center position, even with prospects. Um, so it's, yeah, you, you're still probably like a shorter term solution, go out, trade for someone, sign someone, but like it could be a veteran who's just going to be a bridge to the next generation. Cause now you do actually have some promise in your system as well. And Zion was just such a huge get. It looks like such a good fit to be one of those guys. And it's, you know, in the course of one season, it's no longer nearly like as doom and gloom in terms of what the future looks like at the center position. I mean, yeah, we just kind of got a little bit of a glimpse of it and it it was still enough to win a playoff game uh, against a a team that was, that had a chance to kind of punch you in the face in game one. Um, So, I mean, you're looking at, and we're getting ahead of ourselves now. <laughs> we're talking about seasons, you know, to come. But uh, I don't think you're seeing a rebuild. Like, this isn't a team that's looking like it's set up for a rebuild. They have some really key guys knotted up. Uh, if you lose Pasternak, you're looking at a rebuild. But um, they have a lot of the bases covered now. Um, and Don Sweeney did a really good job over the last few seasons filling in for some of the shortcomings in the draft. Um, and... Yeah, no, it just doesn't look like that's what's in the future for this team. Um, anyway, that is way beyond. Sorry, Brian, go ahead. No, well, you just raised, you just, you just um, brought a thought into my head, and it's something that people were talking about um, like a month ago, and it was like going forward, if you could only keep one, who would you keep, Orlov or Bertuzzi? And Scott, I know you're on a tight schedule, so I'll make this quick, but I feel like with the with the prospect of Mason Lorai being ready to take that next step hopefully maybe as soon as next year or certainly the year afterwards. Like if you have Lindholm, McAvoy and, 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 and Lorai, I, I, I think I would probably take that because I feel like Tyler Bertuzzi is capable of giving you not everything, but a lot of what Brad Marchand has brought to you for the last 12, 13 years. And I feel like he might be somebody to kind of, again, as you mentioned, Bridget, they're not going to be rebuilding beyond Bergeron, but beyond Martian, like could Bertuzzi kind of help alleviate that transition by just kind of replacing Martian with a similar type player who's capable of playing top line minutes down the line. So you might not be able to keep a guy like Orlov or a couple others, but hopefully, I don't know. I, I'm wondering what you guys feel about the the future of Bertuzzi in Boston potentially. Yeah, well, and Bertuzzi's still in his prime years. He's still in his 20s. Orlov's north of 30. So, you know, it also, like, I think if I were Bertuzzi, like I'm certainly looking for a pretty big deal. You know, this could be the biggest contract he gets. So it's going to be tough for the Bruins to keep him, but maybe they're able to find something. Maybe he really likes it here. And, you know, this is where he wants to be through his prime years. Um, Orlov, we don't really know what he's going to be looking for. Like, would he be cool with, you know, a shorter term, maybe somewhat team friendly deal or is he looking for one last big payday knowing like, you know, knowing that like his next contract could carry him into like his late thirties. Like, is he looking for that? Because that would almost certainly have to come from elsewhere. I don't think the Bruins are going to be in a position to offer, you know, a 31 year old Orlov six years. You think they would do like a one year for Bertuzzi kind of like a, because he's had some bad injury luck, maybe like, 
just like a one year fair fair value just like prove a deal and then like you know if you do like if you get like you know 60 plus points like you know we'll we'll lock you up at a, at a fair price or 70 points whatever i mean i'm sure the bruins would love to do that but i don't i think that'd be bad advice to bertuzzi if his agent is looking for something like that honestly like i, I think you look at the season he had last year with 30 goals and 60 points a strong run with the Bruins down the stretch. You hope project forward a little bit, you know, a really strong postseason, a long run. Um, I would not be looking short-term or bridge or prove it or anything like that. I would be saying this, this is my prime. This is, you know, this is my six or seven year deal. Like let's be serious. Yeah. I think he's going to get a lot of pretty sizable offers. Um, more than likely but who wouldn't want to play another five six years with David Postnock because we already know he's going to be around for eight more so I mean if if the prospect is that you get to play on the line with David Postnock for the next however many years that's what might be a little tempting yeah so I guess we'll I guess we'll have to see but there's uh there's tasks at hand uh and we'll continue to cover it um starting in about 23 minutes when Scott heads over to Warrior to update us on the latest line combinations and deep pairs, who's out, who's in, blah, blah, blah. So um, Bruins are off until tomorrow night. And Bridget, Scott, if you have anything else to go over, uh, now's the time. If not, we could probably wrap things up. I, I think I'm all good. You know, I am a little interested to see if the Panthers even, like, consider a goalie change, if there's any yeah. chatter around that. But um you know, Paul Maurice after the game said he gave Alex Lyon an A plus for how he played, which I'm like, uh, that seems a little t- talk about an easy grader. Like, yeah, the guy, the guy got beat on a wrist shot that he just he did go to Yale. Like, he, he did go to Yale. So th- those Ivy League schools hard to get into. Easy, easy to get good grades at, though. You know? I have heard it's, that. I have heard that. That was also the the SID from Yale texting me that that was the first time a goalie from Yale has ever um, started an NHL playoff game. I think ever played in an NHL playoff game. So, um, you know, good for him. Uh, he had a mixed bag for sure. And I was wondering myself if if we we're going to see a goalie change after that. He had some really he had times where he stole some goals away from the Bruins. So, I mean, maybe you get the same score at the end of the day because he lets in two soft ones, but he also stopped two that should have gone in. So, it's mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, well, you I mean, you're paying a guy $10 million to sit on the bench. You might as well see if he can uh, yeah. be worth his value at some point, right? Uh, it's not like uh, Lion is like the next coming of Patrick Waugh. So, uh, yes, he did He did save some goals that should have gone in, Bridget, but he also, you know, some of those washed away with a couple of iffy ones. So, um, all right, uh, Scott, you have to go to Warrior. Uh, I believe that probably wraps it up. Any any final thoughts? No, I'm good. No, nope. okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Bruins take a one nothing lead in the best of seven series, three to one over Florida. They play Wednesday night next in Boston, and we will talk to you very soon. 